Welcome to the Sober and Happy Podcast, where we talk about all things recovery-related, how to navigate the challenges that we'll face along the way on our journey towards our best lives, and how we could go from a life of simply just being sober to a life where we're both sober and happy. In this episode, I want to talk about relapse and how many of the things we have been taught about relapsing and relapse prevention may actually be setting us back on our journey. We'll discuss why so many people relapse and don't know the reasons why. How come some people are able to stay sober without much difficulties and others become chronic relapsers? And why alcohol, drugs, life events, society, the people in your life, and your surroundings are not the reason you relapse. You'll learn how to understand your recovery better, ways to learn from the speed bumps along the way, and be able to create a solid foundation that doesn't crumble to the point where picking up seems like the only solution. So buckle up. This is going to be a great episode. How many times have you talked to people who have relapsed and they can't really tell you why? They might talk about some general ideas of things that have happened leading up to it, or maybe they put themselves in a compromising position and were unable to resist when the sudden temptation hit. But is that really why people relapse? If that was the reason, then everyone who was offered a drink, who had a relationship end, who lost a loved one, or who was simply just overwhelmed with life would relapse. Why do some people seem to relapse at the drop of the hat, and others are able to push through and stay sober no matter what? I have experience on both ends of that mystery, and have worked with many people in recovery who have accomplished long-term sobriety for your relapses, and others who are chronic relapsers. Along that journey, I have noticed a lot of similar patterns in both groups, and I will share what I find works and doesn't work. I have tried to get sober three times. Now, I've had many days full of dread where I thought to myself, I have to stop, and even convinced myself I was going to take a break. But those I'm not counting. One, because they usually lasted only a few hours or sometimes a day or two, but mostly because they were not a time when I formally declared I was quitting. For this purpose, I'll only talk about those times. The first time I was 20, I'd been drinking heavily for a couple of years and was starting to pile up the mistakes. Then I woke up on the morning after my 20th birthday in jail, not from a drunken bar fight or even a DUI. I made a couple of really bad decisions with a few friends, and now we're all in a jail cell facing some pretty serious charges. I knew without a doubt alcohol was leading me down a path I did not want to go, and I had absolutely zero desire to ever drink again. I knew in every fiber in my soul I was done drinking. Then 30 days later, One afternoon, I decided I was going to drink, and I got a 12-pack and was right back to my old ways. Nothing bad happened on that day. I had many days where the temptation was strong, but it wasn't even one of those days. I had a thought. I followed through on that thought. And the next thing I knew, I polished off that 12-pack and was heading to go get some more. The second time, I was sitting on a Greyhound bus. I just burned my life completely down in Arizona, betrayed my best friend, and was running back home to my mom. There was something different this time, though. I knew I needed to quit drinking. I even told people I was going to stop. But in my heart, I knew I was not done. It wasn't about wanting to get sober. I just knew that there was no way I could survive too many days sober with the guilt and 
shame, confusion, anxiety, and just an overwhelming sense of doom around my life. I've heard people say they obviously didn't want it bad enough after someone relapses. And I can tell you from my experience that phrase is not only completely insensitive to someone's personal situation, but 100% wrong in many cases. If I told you I buried a million dollars under a giant boulder and it's all yours if you're able to move the boulder out of the way by hand, I bet your desire for moving that boulder would be huge. You would really want that million dollars. But with no way to move that giant boulder by hand, there simply is no way to get to the money, no matter how badly you want it. That is what it was like for me at that time. The desire was there, but all I saw was that boulder and I knew I couldn't move it. The last time I got sober in 2011, I was laying in a bed in a rehab halfway across the country from where I lived and I knew I was going to stay sober. I was so physically dependent on alcohol that I had to be medically detoxed. I had even more guilt and shame than I did before. I had dug a hole for myself that I didn't know if I was ever going to be able to get out of, and I had burned down almost every bridge in my life. But I knew even if it meant living on a desert island completely cut off from alcohol, I wasn't going to drink. It took me many years to realize why that time was different. It should have been harder than my previous tries. I'm not saying that it was an easy decision or that the thought of being sober didn't absolutely terrify me, but my conviction was strong. I had a lot of general ideas around the concepts, but this week, after seeing a friend who had a recent relapse, we were talking about how everything in his life was going so amazing six months ago and how he couldn't really see how he got from that point to where he is now. I really decided to look hard at the differences between the success stories and the people who are still struggling. I found that there are four common factors to the people that succeed that I'm going to call the four Ps. People who thrive in recovery have all found their purpose, their pain, their path, and their passion. The foundation to any recovery is your purpose, or what I referred to as your why in episode number two. That first time I relapsed, I did not have a strong reason for staying sober. I got arrested and realized I wouldn't have been in that situation if I was sober, so I simply eliminated the problem and tried to move on with life. Without having a solid reason for why I truly wanted to stay sober, I felt I was missing out on life and was doomed to an existence full of boredom. I just didn't want to get locked up. On day 30, I met with my lawyer for the first time, and she told me that because I had no priors, we likely will be able to plead down the charges and just get me probation. When I was leaving her office, she told me, just don't have any other police contact. At that moment, a little thought popped into the back of my head that said, if I just drink at home and don't do anything stupid, then I'll be fine. A few hours later, I convinced myself if I drank with my most responsible friend at his place, there is no way I would get in trouble. The next thing I know, he is picking me up and we're grabbing some beer. Later that night, with him passed out and all the beer gone, I grabbed his keys, stole his truck, and headed back to the liquor store. So much for not risking getting in trouble. I made it back to his place, cracked open another beer, and thought, See, I'm able to do this and not get in trouble. And I was off to the races again. With no purpose to us wanting to live a sober life, that kind of thing is common. We have no defense to that little thought snowballing into a really bad idea, and then we're able to convince ourselves it is completely rational. But when we have a solid foundation built on our why, 
We create disruptions in our lifelong destructive thought process that have held us back all these years. I found that out one time I was close to relapse during my current sobriety. I had a couple years sober and was just kind of existing in life without much joy or fulfillment. I had done everything I was told I was supposed to do, but really was just existing in life and not thriving. Then I got into a relationship, and those early relationship butterflies were so amazing that I thought I'd finally found joy in my life. I didn't realize it at the time, but all my happiness was tied up in that relationship and the attention from the girl I was dating. It felt amazing, and I felt great. And then it suddenly ended. I was devastated, and I honestly thought I would never be happy again. Not so much because I thought she was the one, but that was the only time I had felt that type of feeling since I have gotten sober. About a week after the breakup, I found out she was dating someone else in my home group, and I broke. The next day, I had to leave work early because I was feeling so miserable. On my drive home, I pulled into a parking lot of a liquor store I'd been able to drive by hundreds of times before with no issues. I sat in my car for probably 20 minutes debating whether to go in or not until someone walked up to me. It was a guy probably in his early 30s asking me for money. He was in bad shape and had the familiar shakes of someone who hadn't had a drink yet today and whose body was telling him it needed one. He was honest and told me, look, man, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm hurting, I'm sick, and I need a drink. Seeing him at that moment flashed me back to all those days I was in his shoes, how I never wanted to get to that point again, and all the reasons why I wanted to get sober in the first place. I gave the guy 20 bucks, started up my car, and drove home. I didn't know it at the time, but having a strong connection to my purpose for getting sober is what snapped me out of my old destructive pattern of how to deal with pain, and I was able to get through the day sober. Although that foundation is great, if I simply just didn't drink that day and did nothing about what led up to that moment, I would have just repeated that cycle, the conviction to the why for getting sober would have shrunk, and eventually, I feel I would have given in one day. But we must establish that foundation first to help us with the second P, which is finding our pain. This is by far the hardest part of the process, the one most people desperately try to avoid, and the thing that takes most people out. Most people in addiction are dealing with several layers of pain. One of the largest studies done around trauma and addiction by Kaiser Permanente found that people that experienced a childhood trauma are seven times more likely to develop a dependence on drug and alcohol. And the more traumatic events you have in your life, the likelihood will increase. So why if pain is such a contributing factor to our addiction, am I suggesting you go find your pain? That is because to quit our dependence on alcohol and other addictive substances, we have to address the reasons that drove us to it in the first place. And the pain we are facing isn't just the pain caused by traumas. I know people with addiction issues that have not experienced much trauma in their life but are still in massive pain. They tell me, I haven't gone through the kind of things I hear other people talk about. I had a good childhood, and I was raised better than this. They didn't realize that is their pain right there. Their pain comes from disappointing people who expected more from them. And when we dig deeper, we find that pattern of being told things like, you are raised better than this, or I'm disappointed in you, was a theme that often started in childhood and something they're still being reminded of today. Pain comes in many forms and should not be compared to others or minimized. 
It could be dealing with PTSD for major trauma, the reminder of being a disappointment to others, the pain of not fitting in, not feeling enough, having our heart broken, or losing loved ones in our lives. Anyone who has battled addiction knows that pain only accumulates as our addiction spirals downward. Whatever pain you are feeling left unresolved will drive you back to your addiction. You must discover it, face it, and heal from it. I have known a lot of people who avoid this. Some of them have even put together some significant sobriety time. However, I have not met someone who avoids this step in their recovery that lives a life that is full of joy. Seeking out your pain is not something I would suggest trying to do alone. Getting a support system in place is crucial for facing this difficult task. I know I wouldn't have been able to navigate that minefield without the help of some great therapy and a strong support group. The third P is finding your path. I remember as a kid taking a trip to Disneyland. The trip to Disneyland from my hometown is about an eight-hour drive. If you've ever driven that stretch of Interstate 5 from Northern to Southern California, you know that it is a long, straight, boring drive. This was before cell phones, tablets, in-car video, or even handheld video game devices. As you could imagine, this was a painfully long trip for a 12-year-old. However, it was completely tolerable because I knew at the end of the trip was a magical place I had been dreaming about my whole short-lived life. Disneyland. Now imagine if my mom put me in that car and didn't tell me where we were going or how long it was going to take. I would have been angry at my mom, kept asking her why she was torturing me, and if she would have offered at any time during that trip to turn around and go home, I would have gladly taken her up on that offer and had no idea that I gave up my opportunity to visit the one place I had always wanted to go. How many of us treat recovery as a passenger in a car on a long, boring drive with no idea where we're going? It eventually gets to the point that at the first offer to turn around, we take it and don't realize we were headed towards the one place that we had always wanted to be, our own personal happiest place on earth. I will discuss in detail the process I use to create your path in a future podcast. In fact, we'll build a whole roadmap for you. To start, you could simply practice by picking one destination in your life that would bring you joy. Maybe it is showing up constantly for the people you love. Write out what that looks like. What is the kind of things that that version of you would do? What are the things that have blocked you in your past? What are some ways around those obstacles? Write these out and create a plan. Be flexible with the plan, but don't try to wing it. Remember, we are creating a roadmap so you know where you're going and how to get there. And most importantly, don't take your eyes off the destination. The last P is passion. This is where the magic happens. I've not yet found a manual on how to find your passion. Read a lot of books on the subject, but I found no amount of knowledge replaces the experience required to get here. If you're new in recovery or struggling, don't worry if you don't know your passion. In my experience, this only comes from walking the journey. One day, you'll wake up and realize that you no longer have the desire to drink. You aren't angry at everyone around you. Most of the conflict in your life has dissolved, including the inner conflict most of us suffer from, and that you have healthy relationships in your life, and you genuinely are happy. And then, you wake up another day and realize you are passionate about life and the things you are doing. You are happy to be you. This is when recovery actually gets easy and is no longer a daily battle. 
You're no longer driven by the battle to stay sober. You genuinely just want to keep growing into the next version of you. And you suddenly realize you're passionate about life. I can't give you a roadmap to finding your passion because that is going to be personal to you. But from my experience, it came from doing everything I talked about up to this point, letting go of old ideas of what my life was supposed to look like, trying lots of new things, facing and conquering fears, and ultimately deciding I was going to fully participate in life. What I could tell you is that you're on your way no matter where you are on your journey, and that if you keep moving forward, you too will find it. I know that because I'm not anyone special, and I've found it myself. And if I have done it, so can you. And I hope this episode has helped nudge you down that path a little further. If it did, please share it with someone else you think it might help. When you do that, it helps my podcast become more accessible to others so that more people could join us on this amazing journey. I'm doing this because I know a lot of people are struggling in their recovery, and I want to help as many people as I can, and that is only possible with your help. New episodes come out each Friday, so I look forward to connecting with you next week. And as always, thank you so much for listening, and keep living sober and happy.